1: Welcome to the Vancouver Canucks White Tail Podcast. I'm Paul Chapman, joined by sports columnist extraordinaire Ed Willis. Fresh off the uh, press box experience of the Canucks <laughs> and Lightning last night. Uh, Ed, how was that game for you?
0: Well, who knew the Lightning were our blood rivals after <laughs>
1: uh,
0: after all these years? I it, it was endlessly entertaining and interesting and fascinating and so many storylines. I mean, it's the kind of games you, you know used to get regularly uh, and I, I can't remember one that just like was spitting out uh, the, the, these fascinating storylines all over the place. I mean, you know, at the end the Canucks didn't get the win, but I think they took enough out of it that they didn't it didn't interrupt the momentum of their uh, their their, their five game undefeated streak. So it's, I'm gonna be really curious to see how they respond to this uh, going forward. They've got two home games left in in, in the homestand. They can. F- go into Christmas one game over 500 if they win them both. And, you know, I think that's a, that would be a positive sign for most Canucks supporters.
1: Before I get into some of the lessons or takeaways from the game, what does it say to you that this team was on such a hot streak then went through that 12 of 13 period and are now back on this other streak? I know they lost last night, but, this, I mean, this isn't a team that wins two, loses two. It's, yeah. it's all or nothing, really.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm without... At first blush, you know, when you ask, the first thing that pops into my mind is just like the fine line in the NHL between winning and losing. And I know, I know, I should be able to come up with something a little more detailed, a little more analytical than that. But I think that's what it comes down to. It comes down to your goaltending. It comes down to your special teams, and those kind of took a powder for that 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 that, that streak where they just couldn't seem to to, to win for losing. Uh, they get Besser back. They get, you know, a couple of players back. Uh, momentum starts to swing the other way. Uh, and, and I thought that that streak of games was really the the, the most, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, to, to just probably the most impressive of the Travis Green area. For, for them to pull out of the nosedive they were in when everybody's thinking, okay, they're losing for Hughes. To, to do that and then to kind of insinuate their way into the playoff uh, the playoff conversation I, the, 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 that impressed
1: me so that when you talk about impressing you know I, I just distinctly remember doing this podcast with you over the last three seasons where we talked about the team off to a good start and then that collapse where they looked more like what they thought we would even though this this team had that collapse they looked different to me in that collapse versus past years in that They didn't collapse. They fought, and they were competitive. They seemed really pissed off when they weren't getting results and frustrated. And even last night, you know, if there was a criticism of this team early on, it was the lack of pushback when Pedersen got injured. We saw a very similar situation last night. Is this team really, like, from a cliched point, almost maturing before our eyes? I
0: I think a little bit. I think you're starting to see them create a bit of an identity for themselves. Um, You know, and I think the other thing that maybe – a- able to withstand, um, you know the, the, those troughs they fall into from time to time. This team has so much more depth than than it's had in the past. I mean, you look at their lineup and you go, they they still have to develop a third line. Well, you know that's not a huge problem, but you know they have a they seem to have a legitimate first line with Patterson. In the center. they seem to have a legitimate second line based around Bo Harvitt. Their, their fourth line looks like an NHL fourth line. We don't have to go too deeply into the defense. But they've never had that before. They've never had the ability to move players around from line to line and not lose anything in the matchup. So, like I said, I think they're just better equipped to withstand Uh, Those troughs that teams inevitably run into during the course of a season Uh, doesn't make them world beaters, but I I think it'll be interesting to see where check in again, you know, around Valentine's Day to see where they are to see if they can, you know, if they're within four or five points of a playoff game, which is, I think, what the faithful would, I I think they'd take that as a massive win for this season. I think
1: that's a great point, Ed. I think if you go back over the last two or three seasons, you know, you can make an argument about what the Sedins were, but... Let's say they had an NHL second line. They were missing the first line. They were certainly missing the third and fourth line. It seemed they were just all the same kind of players that were sort of trying to force that. The forwards really do look nicely set up, even when you look at some of the prospects on the way, don't they?
0: Yeah, I think so. And, and, and I think the, the, the real key thing, and actually it was the column I started to write before all hell broke loose uh, uh, on Tuesday night. To me, the key to this whole thing is the development of, of Vertanen, Goldobin, and Ben Hutton. And they're kind of drifting around. They've created, you know, there's been a little movement. They've taken a bit of a step here, but they have to prove that they can be not impact players, but really good support level players on a team that's competitive. And they seem to be doing that, but if they can make that step into that echelon... Then I think that changes a lot of things for that for, for for this team. I think now you can start to think now you plugged you now you kind of got their stars now you've got that second level coming up and you've got you know these veterans that they've signed over the years whether it's Sutter whether it, it's Jay Beagle or whether it's Roussel, whoever it is but that now I think you're starting to see the lineup kind
1: of t- kind of take place and come into focus a little more clearly. So, I mean we there's no doubt you said we don't have to go too deeply into the blue line but we do because that's <laughs> that. that that's the next when you when you look at how this team is set up and the guys that they have coming, obviously that's the area of concern. I mean, goaltending is a separate issue. Maybe you fix that last. They certainly have a couple of prospects that could maybe, you know, get in that conversation. Anyhow, but uh, obviously Quinn Hughes, who you wrote about uh, just last week, uh, he's if if he is as projected, he will be not necessarily an NHL unicorn, but the tougher piece to get but does this team still need to look as it builds itself as it gets competitive in more of the prototypical tougher, bigger, blue line that's not going to be such a liability out there
0: well the, i know it's funny cuz i i i'm going to reference jet wu here um and and to me he is he projects as the prototypical nhl defenseman of 2018 2019 2020 not huge, but like about 6'1, 200 pounds. So, so big enough, but more importantly, mobile, moves the puck, has a nose for, for offense. Not, you know, it's a, a two way defenseman, if you will. And, and if he projects that, the, the thing about the blue line is you only need two guys. If you've got two studs back there, you can find the pieces to build around them. You can pick them up through trade, or you can, might get lucky in the draft. There's any number of one. The hard part is getting those two pillars to build around and if Hughes is one of those guys, you know, we can have an argument about that. But but, but let's say he is. Now, can we? No, because it, it, after
1: twenty it, games, yeah. all of a sudden, Pedersen's better than Gretzky. Yeah, I know. Like seriously, I, I know. that well, argument's being made, made let, by a lot of people. Let,
0: let's take a pill on. <laughs> yeah, let's take a pill on that one. But I mean, and that's why I like. I've never seen the kid play except on highlight reels. So I'm really looking forward to getting to see him in three, four games in Victoria over the World Juniors. Just what what he's doing at the collegiate level. I mean, over a point a game. It, you know, no, Michigan really tough schedule and, and to hear uh, his coaches and and the hockey community what they have to say about him I mean he does seem like a, a unique kind of player there's not that many guys who can quarterback power plays anymore I, I think if you look like there's probably maybe 10 guys in the whole league who are like that so if you can do that and you can throw a power play out with him up at the top Besser on one side Pedersen on the other side that's could be a potentially
1: lethal power play you, you know having been around hockey for a long time there it, there used to be i don't want to say more of a hit and miss attitude around u.s college players i mean you'd see all these guys who'd had great success and some guys would make the leap and be fantastic players and other guys just too big a leap for them obviously you look at what brock besser did Uh, right off the bat when he came in, and very remarkable. Of course, you get more seasoning, maybe a little more maturity when you come through that than going through the junior system, but is this now more of a sure thing when you're picking elite level talent from the US college system?
0: I'm not sure if it's US colleges so much as it's the US developmental program, and I I think like, they just seem to be churning out blue chip prospects year after year after year. I'm not sure how far back it goes, but I'm gonna look into it in the World Junior because uh, uh, Hughes is a product of, uh, of that system, Besser's a product of that system. The Kachuk Brothers are a product of that system, like I said, I'm not sure how far back it goes but but that has really been so when you especially when you look at the top end of the draft and it's going to come up again. That's where Jack Hughes is playing this. He isn't playing college. He turned down a shot at Michigan to stay with the developmental team, and they play this crazy ass schedule of 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 some college teams and some u s h l teams. Uh, they're usually overmatched because they're like 17 and 8 year olds playing against 20 year olds, but it seems to uh, it seems to accelerate their development, and and that's really been key. And uh, you know, I think beyond that, you, know, you so you've got your top guys at that program, and then I, I, I without I, again without knowing what the numbers are exactly, my 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 sense is the college guys produce probably at a, at a rate similar to what they've always had.
1: So I'm going to tie this all together nicely since you raised the Kajak brothers and we were talking about the defense. Um, News that Ole Uolevi uh, is out for the season with a knee injury now, of course. Uh, The Vultures are out for Jim Benning because he didn't announce this first and tell us of a catastrophic knee injury two weeks ago that he suggested that maybe it was something that would be fixed and then he's refusing to elaborate on it, blah, 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 all that stuff. Um, but, of course, people are now playing the what-if game. Oli Uolevi, already a bust, should have picked Matthew Kachuk. I know this is you were an advocate for that from before the draft because you did spend some time with uh, Kachuk Sr. Uh, from your time in Winnipeg. But um, are people being too harsh on Uolevi?
0: It, it, it's an awkward situation for the kid to be and There's no doubt about that. And, and you know, here, here's the other part of that. It isn't necessarily Matthew Kachuk versus Yulevi, It's as much Yulevi versus Sergeyev and versus Charlie McAvoy. Um, they just took the wrong defenseman on top of everything else. Um, The scouts I've talked to, actually before this injury, and that, that probably reframes the whole thing, the scouts I talked to said he will play. He will be an NHL player. He w- he won't be the top pairing guy that Benning envisioned when they when he took him. He basically thought he was get, getting Quinn Hughes when when they took him. This you know offensive-minded, dynamic you know lead the rush, lead a you know quarterback, a power play guy. He won't be that, but you know he he should fit into your top four. And the name that was invariably referenced was Dan Ham Hughes geez, if he turned into damn hand-handers right now, there are Canucks fans who would cheerfully sell their birthright for that. And th- that would be a great piece for this organization, but yeah, people are just going to have to wait and be patient. The problem there is Matthew Kuchuk is probably going to have played about 280 NHL games uh, b- before Ulevi plays in one.
1: Yeah, and I mean, okay, anytime there's an injury, you have to be concerned about that, but let's just suggest that he comes back fully healthy from that um shouldn't this market know a little bit about patience though considering what people wanted out of the sedins the first four or five years i mean people were ready to take brian burke's uh, car <laughs> and drive him to the airport <laughs> as he once famously said
0: I, I, but i think they have i i honestly think given what they've had to endure over the last three years canucks fans have done about as well as you could expect I think there, there, I think I, I think the nucleus of fans who are reasonably knowledgeable about the game understand what's going on, understand what they've got with the young players, understand what's coming. If anything, I think they might be a little, you know, overheated about it. But but I, I think they do see a, a bigger picture. Um, I, I don't know where Yullevi fits in that argument because he's not part of the he's not like a key piece in the young core he's not even in that goldobin vertan and hutton group i mentioned before he's basically like the crew they've got in utica uh which there's some intriguing names whether it's you know it's dallin or it's him or some of the kids they've got in junior michael di pietro or or jet Wu. um I'm not sure where he fits in there, and I don't think the organization is quite sure where he fits in here. He put up some nice offensive numbers in Utica, but the team wasn't winning, and he was a liability in his own zone. That's at the American League
1: level. Hard to see where that translates to the National League level. So let's switch to some of the things that are going well for the Canucks. Um, one of them, which I don't know if it's an undercover story, but, you know, Considering the angst around Brock Besser's injury, certainly the numbers he's put up lately, um, that's gotta be very heartening for Connect fans because not only do you have this amazing story with Pedersen really looking like a far beyond a, any yeah. sort of talent that people could it have. He looks believed like a legitimate
0: number one center. Yeah. I think you can leave it at that. Yeah. yeah without
1: invoking <laughs> Gretzky and <laughs> Bure ...names and from the Pantheon.
0: <laughs> he looks he looks like a guy who's who's more than a point a game player. Uh, who should be the team's number one center for the next decade if he stays healthy.
1: But does Besser to you now look like he did when he was really in stride last year?
0: Offensively, yes. Um, he, he, there's a couple of parts of his game that really need cleaning up. Um, he, he made a turnover at the blue line in last night's game, and it was a 2-1 game, and the Canucks were right, and in fact, I thought they were carrying the play. Uh, for for a lot of it but he made the it was an egregious turnover at the blue line that led to uh Tampa's third goal which then led to Roussel thinking the team needs a spark which led to the festivities which I think we'll talk about in a bit. Uh he's he's just a little lackadaisical with the puck uh f- from time to time and if you're going to get, you know, the minutes he gets and playing the situations he gets, that's something he's got to clean up. I I think he I think I think it's within him. Um, it's just, it's just been a little too frequent in these last, I'd say, handful of games, uh, to be completely comfortable with.
1: But you obviously, on the other, you're right, and that's the, oh end. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, that, that's that, thing you can work with. Yeah. But the chemistry between him and Patterson, obviously, we, sure. We're not going to invoke the pantheon, Ed, but, but there have been like Sadines uh, yeah. and their telepathy aside. There have not been a lot of like you think of Bure, and he obviously had some guys that he played well with, but you haven't right, had but these that sort Pavel of guys. was an individualist. No, he was absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's a great point. Yeah. But you know, when you go back through Canucks history, I mean, you're almost going back to. Fraser, Gradine, and Smeal for I guess the West Coast Express too for having that sort of chemistry between players that you're seeing develop here.
0: No, and and, and again, you know, if nothing else, this season you know, they've identified those you know three pillars around which they're going to build. Now the question, you know, you know, because Hor- you put Horvat in that mix too, and I'm a massive Bo Horvat fan, so you you know you've got these three. Now you just need you you need one on the blue line, one and a half on the blue line. You need a goalie, and you probably need another forward. Like I said, you can fill. There are a million ways to fill in the support staff, uh, support level level players. But you, you, to to have those like like those elite offensive talents to drive the thing. To you know, you can count in on a night in night out basis. Uh, that, that's the hard part, and leave it for the Canucks to get the hard part down and then s- struggle with the easy part. But uh, that's, I, I think that's where they are in their evolution right now.
1: So, you know, you mentioned earlier about the festivities. Um, when we were doing podcasts earlier in the year, you know, there was, there was suggestion, and you, I wrestle with this all the time, and I saw it all over social media last night about the role of fighting and justice and the code and all that stuff in the game. Um, but there's no doubt that whether you think it's right or not, if you, the, 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 the narratives that came out of that Florida game, where you've got this great young kid who everyone was worried about his size anyway, not that they should be, as it turns out, um, but that the Canucks didn't stand up for their teammate. Were you happy with what you saw last night? I wasn't unhappy, um, and, and that's
0: probably ducking the question, but I, I, I think it was a test. Um, and, and they needed to stand up, and, and I think they had to answer some questions. And it, it's uh, it's interesting to me that Antoine Roussel has turned out to be the central character in all this because they really haven't had a player like that since Alex Burroughs blew town. And even, like, Roussel's even a little different than Alex, but they have that same insane competitiveness, that same ability to drive the other team crazy, that same ability to be hated, and be okay with it, (laughs) to not bother them a bit. Uh, And I'm going to be writing about him, uh, about Roussel later today. As as it turns out, Alex Burroughs is Roussel's hero. Uh, There there was a point in his career where Roussel was, like, bouncing around the minors, playing on American League contracts, and he was he, he was asked to work out with uh, Burroughs and a group of Montreal players, and it, it included. I'm going to try and remember all the names here. Uh, Dana Zubris was there. Um, uh, the the guy who played for Pittsburgh, another French Canadian kid, uh, and and that was a real uh, it, it was a real uh, stepping stone for him, you know, to be accepted by that group. And he he worships Alex Burroughs. And when you look at their backstories, there's amazing parallels there. So uh, just interesting that he's come along and he seems to emulate so many of the qualities Burroughs had except the ability
1: to score. And And so framing that, the fact that they have some of this character in the locker room. Um, you like where this team's headed, obviously, as we we come up to this break Well, yeah, Christmas in breaker.
0: comparison, I mean, again, the bar was set so low for them. They, <laughs> ju- they, they just really they had to you, it had to be an upgrade over what they've seen, what we've seen the last three years. When not only was there like, there was, did you remember how people, excited people were about Brock Besser? Yeah, this time last year, and that was it. That was really about all they had to offer. I mean, it was still the Sedines and it was still this kind of tired and, you know, average goaltending and and a crappy blue line and all the rest of it. But now at least they can look. And, And they're playing so much faster than they have in years past. That's the one thing that jumps out at you. They can score goals. That's another thing that kind of jumps out at you. So they can entertain... They can offer hope. And, you know, like we've been saying this for forever. This year was never about wins and losses. It's about those other things. And I think they're taking the boxes on those other things. And along the way, they're getting some results, too. So, again, let's see where we are around Valentine's Day. Let's see if, you know, they can at least make an argument that they're in a playoff and they're playing meaningful games, you know. And I I think that's as much as fans could have hoped for from this season.
1: I I find the tank argument to be somewhat tiresome at this point i mean obviously people would love uh a high draft pick um but again when you talk about development is it more important to see this team um playing meaningful games late in the year and not having i mean you're in the locker room you see that dead-eyed look yeah, yeah. Uh, that comes in february march with uh, in one of those lost seasons um and that's where when they lost the 12 of 13 i did see something different than this team you, you sense that they were really frustrated with where they were and and I don't care how competitive you are. When you have a season of that, that's going to wear you down. Is it, How important is it for them to be in the mix?
0: Oh, I, I think it's vitally important. You know, and I, and I can remember, you can't really pinpoint exact games, but you could see it in body language. You could see it in the way the game was going. The minute something shitty happened to them, you could just see the shoulder sla- sh- sag, the whole, the whole body language change, and they knew they were defeated. They knew there was no way they could come back from this. They've got a bit of a spark now, and I just hope this season doesn't beat it out of them. And I think that's what you know what, what we're talking about here. I think that's why it's important for them to at least be competitive, to at least entertain the notion that they're in this. And who knows, maybe they get lucky uh, in, in, with, with the ping-pong balls this year. Th- that argument that the Canucks haven't tanked well enough drives me crazy because they, they, they've done it beautifully. They just haven't gotten lucky with the frickin' ping-pong pong balls. That's well, they the only, have. That's the only piece that's been missing. In what way?
1: If you did that draft over again, Pedersen would be the number one pick. Okay, that
0: wasn't a result of the... Ping-pong no, balls, that was, that was the, the draft the draft genie.
1: But when you talk... Say, looking at the Vancouver Canucks,
0: <laughs> my friends, you have suffered enough. Yeah. <laughs> Here is my gift to you. I'm going to give you the skinny Swedish kid. He is going to be a superstar, and that's who I'm going to bestow on but you. But that's
1: the irony... And don't
0: ask me for another favorite, because that's <laughs> the only one you're getting. Yeah. But
1: that's the irony of the whole thing, isn't it? I mean, and that's why you have the lottery in the first place, is if the Canucks yeah. had had the number one pick that year... Well, I know. Maybe and they've after... got Patrick, and he's not a bad player, but no, he's not Elias it. Patterson. Well,
0: and, and it's go, you know going back to you know going going back to Matthew Kachuk. If they Matt Matthew Kachuk, are they in a position to draft Patrick? I I don't know. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it's one of the beauties of the drafts. So you can play the what if and look at that guy, and how did we miss that guy? Every team can do it. I just know when you're picking in the top five, you can't afford a bust. And uh, if that's what you love he turns in. I mean, if he arrives on schedule, then this whole rebuild is on schedule, right? If he is what he's supposed to be, even if he's Sergeyev, this thing is right on schedule. In, in fact, it might even be ahead of schedule, um, you know, because now you've got that blue line piece and you've got Quinn Hughes coming and yada, yada, all the well, rest I, of I would
1: Well, al- I would also make that argument that if you... You know, when you look at the law of averages, if Quinn Hughes is and we have to we have to wait till he actually plays an NHL game first,
0: but No we don't, no we don't. No, <laughs> no, 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 we
1: don't. Um but if you have three so called elite players, I'd say that's pretty good. I think you're you know, when you're looking at Pedersen yep. and and Besser and 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 Hughes you know, those are pretty good odds. When you, I mean, obviously, if you end up with a Crosby Malkin situation with back-to-back number ones and years where there happens no. to be a consensus, no, fair Malkin enough. Was
0: number two, but point taken. Well, yeah
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the top end picks like that. But I think when you look at what they've said about some of these draft years, mm-hmm. I think that's uh, you know probably law of averages are favoring the Canucks in that point.
0: I think so. I think when you look around the league, I think you can now start comparing the you know the Canucks young core. To some of the better young cores, you know, they're not Winnipeg, obviously, they're not Toronto, they're not some of the other teams, but I think you can look and go, well, you know, there's so many teams that are in the same cycle as the Canucks, and whether it's Detroit or whether it's Arizona, I mean, you can just go through the NHL standings, and I remember doing this, and I counted 12 teams that were in some stage of a rebuild, and that included three or four that had kind of been released from their burden, because I don't think you can count Winnipeg there. Uh, a- a- anymore. So um yeah I I, I think that's that's where we are with this team now it's just a matter of waiting to see how it all comes together i think they have the right coach i think they have some of the right pieces now let's watch the thing marinate and see see where where, where it goes
1: we were really close probably two years ago to seeing benning lose his job i remember in our old building before we moved here we were talking about it and you're sort of thinking well this is the year that we have to see something and yada 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 um what do you think of the job benning's done right now it's, it's an interesting one. I, I, I think he's had,
0: I, I think in his first two years, there were more misses than hits. And I think in the last couple of years, there's been more hits than misses. And as much as people are holding his feet to the fire for Ulevi, I think he'll be able to dine out on that Patterson pick for a couple of years anyways. Uh, I, I the, the free agent signings are... Will, I'm sorry. We'll ignore Tim Schaller for the time being, but you know, I, th- I think I think Beagle and uh, and Russell have been value, have been good value. I think the other draft picks have been pretty solid. Uh, it looks like even if Vertanen makes that step into that kind of consistent 20 to 25 goal score with a physical edge to his game, I thought he was terrific last night too. Uh, by by the way. Um, you know, that takes the heat off there. So maybe, you know, like the the, the bigger picture, I think the needle's starting to swing a little more toward Benning's side. Uh, is that enough? I don't know. I still look at that ownership group, and I know how much they're in love with big, sexy names. And I'm not sure if Jim Benning and John Wisebroad, uh, you know, re- really excites them as the the, the visionaries to lead this uh, franchise forward. Well, and
1: then the other, you talk about big, sexy names. It's like every off season. All in on, they, they were all in on Carlson. They were going to get Carlson. Maybe yeah. they were going to make a bid That's for right. Tavares. P.K. Subban, Shea Weber, like you name it, the ownership seems to want to swing for the fences, mm-hmm. whereas there is this plan, and we understand this plan might have been divisive and cost some people <laughs> their jobs along the way, but there is this plan to be patient and not blow up what you have. Now, certainly, I don't see there, there's any there's any way you want to call them the Holy Trinity. Those three that we've mm-hmm. talked about, Quinn Hughes and Bester and Pedersen, would be moved, but... Um, and I don't know what else there is, but it does seem like there's a directive to kick the tires on the big ticket all along here, isn't there?
0: Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I haven't really looked at the, the free agent list for uh, for for, for, ne- for next season. I mean, they're going to have their hands full. Uh, they, they've got to sign Besser this off season. Pedersen comes up the year after that. Uh, Hughes will sign his entry level deal. He, he's there. They're, they're, their guys are going to have to get paid here. Uh, they're not quite Toronto with their, you know, their, their salary cap problems. But as long as they've got Louis Erickson in the lineup, they're going uh, to have they're going to have they're going to have to be very aware of that. I, I Creative, just don't I see they, them. They say, yeah, I just don't see them making a big play for anybody in free agency. And quite frankly, why? Yeah, you know why it's it, it's not going to help them that much. It might it might might get them two or three more wins, uh, but 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 it's it's funny. I mean, I, I the plan that Trevor Linden was trying to sell management, I think, is the right plan. Now you can argue about the the, the, the argument whole seemed to be about the time frame involved. He was saying it's probably going to be four years. If you would have said two years. That's He's probably still have his job. yeah I th- you know that probably that that, that probably would have would have flown with, with ownership but I think that's I I just don't see how they sort of you know break off and if they do I think that might be the final straw
1: in this market for this ownership group. Um, one more thing is uh, you are headed to Seattle this weekend both for Seahawks and for some hockey analysis. Seattle market, I find it curious. They mm. have embraced this probably better than I thought they I would have thought they would embrace it. Um, I do think part of it is they look at the whole chain of the arena and everything else that they're thinking, well, we need hockey to get basketball back, which is their ultimate goal. Uh, I know when you look at the actual metro markets, you'll say it's a similar size to Vancouver. Anyone who's traveled to Seattle knows that's not the case. It's like you don't stop hitting towns from Blaine all the way down to Tacoma. Yes. Um, so there's way, a way bigger area to draw from. But there's an awful lot of competition for the sports dollar, even corporately in Seattle, is there not? Especially with the, the, oh, the, no, the universities playing a part as well?
0: Yeah, and I talked to my my colleague, Art Thiel, who's been like the lead sports columnist there as long as anybody can remember. And he, he thinks that the, that the hockey team will be, and it really depends on that the Mariners are, are in a complete down cycle now, so the hockey team will either be the fifth or the sixth ticket. In the market because you know the, it will always be a Seahawks town as long as Pete Carroll there is there. There's UW football uh there, there's the sounders are massively popular there's the mariners there's the other u-dub sports so you know they're probably in there they probably I, I think it's even though they're a big league team and they're the only winter sport there right now they probably slide in at number five now i think counterbalancing that is the team they put together because todd lywicky and tim lywicky's name are gold in that market, and the fact that they're attached to the brand, I think buys them so much goodwill. And they just seem to be going about this the right way. Uh, privately funded, you know, they're, they're, that key arena was an eyesore. They're going to be building this Taj Mahal. They're putting the uh, they're putting the practice the three sheet practice facility out by the shopping center. Star Spurwood, what's the name of that? Starfire. No, 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 the name of the town doesn't matter. It's on the way in. It's it, 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 it's it's you, you you drive right past it. There's a big mall there. You drive right past it on on your way into, into 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 Seattle. Um yeah, so all these things they they're going about it the right way plus they've got now they've got like two two and a half more years. Uh, to put everything together. So I uh the long winded way of saying if this group can't get it down hockey will never survive in Seattle.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's the when you look at the, the market, um I mean certainly you can hope for golden knights success, uh with the I, I would imagine that could demand the same terms as the as the Knights got for that kind of money. The first two years will be fantastic anyway. It's if you end up in a really yeah. crappy Florida-like situation that will people go then, and especially once you get basketball back. But we've seen the corporate leverage a lot of these places do. I understand when the Raptors were awful. If you wanted Leafs club seats, you had to take the Raptors yeah. too, and there was enough money in Toronto. I,
0: and I, I, I've been told there's a bit of a corporate base in Seattle too. I'm a, I'm a, I, I've been told Maybe. Those,
1: those Amazon folks make a
0: fair, make a fair, make a fair buck. Yeah, it's a. It, it, it 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 it's and I you know and I think it's great for Vancouver I, I, for them to finally have a regional rival and I, I think it'll be a good rivalry yeah I I I really do and uh, you know they're coming in they've you know they've got Dave Tippett they've got the hockey man in place there um, they're starting to kind of put things together I think they're still really at the and when I say building phase I mean physical building you know plans for the arena plans for the practice
1: what's our name what's our uniforms exactly. like all exactly. that sort of that, stuff that's right yeah. and
0: then and then the big question so do they hire their gm two years out Or a year and a half out. Who do they hire? They, you know, do they make a big play for Ken Holland? Who's a name you hear uh, over and over and over again? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or do they go? You know, do they? I was talking to an NHL scout last night. Uh, Actually, the name I heard Kelly McCrimmon, and that makes a lot of sense because he's been through this with Las Vegas, and he's kind of you know he's developed a bit of a reputation around the NHL. So that's where we are there.
1: All right, Ed. I think we'll leave it there. You've got some stuff to do. I know you're off to the World Juniors. We will do podcast video on that uh, throughout the weeks. Um, but, uh, yeah, have fun in Seattle. Enjoy your holiday.
0: Absolutely. It is really. Uh, two holidays. days off. Yeah, thank
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> we say holidays generally. Even when happy holidays, we're all working. But, all right, it's well, engineered. It is. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. This is the White Towel Podcast. We will back with another one later this week.